The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now... And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Uh, soon, Mark Cranach. Hope you're doing well this Saturday morning. Uh, can get in touch with us at 466-377-76-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers to join and dial up. You can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. And uh, Mark Cranach also involved with us. Excited to see him this morning. Uh, can hear us, of course, on ESPN Lincoln, but also watch the show. Maybe that's uh, another way to scare yourself Saturday morning. Facebook and Twitter, ESPN Lincoln. YouTube channel is the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. And we invite you to follow along the Hale Varsity radio channel at H Varsity Radio. Uh, do that. Catch coffee and cream with Andrew and Damon, seven to nine weekdays. And of course, Hale Varsity uh, the week-long edition, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6. Elijah, what do you know? How was your Friday Your Friday night? Uh, nothing too special. Stayed home, like, watched uh, some Netflix. That like, sounded like a whimper. I love it. You're yeah. just like, eh. I mean, I, no one, yeah. you got to get up for this, this Saturday morning show. It, it limits your options on a Friday night. So uh, just stayed home. There's a, a new season of Survivor on Netflix, believe it or not. I know we were just talking about this the other day. <laughs> so you better believe I got episode one knocked out last night. <laughs> You know, I uh, I came home, watched Netflix as well. Took the uh, the wife to dinner. Uh, so let me let me ask you guys this: I have a dear friend that we were going to meet after dinner at a bar. Shocking, I know, but <laughs> he was uh, he was feeling good by the time dinner got done with me and the bunny. So he wanted me to come pick him up, and I just I said I'm good. Was that a, an a-hole right. move? Or, because you or knew. Should... Well, no, because you knew. You knew. If you're not drinking, and then you – well, maybe you were drinking a little. I, well, I had a couple of vodkas at dinner, but, I mean, that's I – mean, That's – That's life. You know, that's – A couple – I know. Ruski, Chris. I have two vodkas every day. It's okay. Um, yeah, but when you're when you're not drinking – and you're with somebody where that's their plan. Mm-hmm. What are you doing tonight? It's seven. Like, oh, drinking till one. <laughs> right. <I> can't. <laughs> yeah. At some point. At, yeah. There, you, you get on different wavelengths and it's a little bit tough. So, no, I, I think you made a smart move because I know if you went, those two vodkas would have been seven. 
fifteen. And then this morning we would have got texts like body way. We would have got some, <laughs> you know. And and then Elijah mentions Elijah mentions that you know it limits your options on when you have a Saturday morning show. It limits your Friday night options. It doesn't. It's just smarter to have it limit your options. <laughs> Their options are still out on the table. <laughs> you can you can go till six a.m. if you wanted to, but you probably should. That's it's been attempted you once or twice. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Hey. Well, it's been a, a good week for Nebraska. The uh, second part of the signing class sealed what a and delivered. Of a si- what, why, why do they have that? What, what is going on with signing? Tradition. Day? I don't know. I mean, they just. No, but really. Like, you got the early well, because... signing day, and that's 85% of kids. That's where they sign. And then you got this other random one. And like, it's, it's dumb. Like, come on. There's two signing days, Mark. I get and you it, want the, you want the second session to feel special too. It's not. <laughs> it, it makes it so it's difficult to feel special when it's like two months apart. You go, why did you wait exactly. two months, bud? Like, like I, I think personally, if there should be two Is signing it, periods, not from a, a perspective of like trying to help out the high school athlete, from a perspective of somebody trying to cover signing days, can we do one before the high school football season? Like, do like an early August signing day. And then do the February signing day. Just from my point of view, trying to cover both of these, it would make it feel more special for each of them if they were like six months apart. But I also get why you don't want to do that for your high school student athletes. Right now, fellas, the the college football coach has no time. Like now they are in winter conditioning and they're a part of that. Great. Their hands on, their eyes on. And then it gets to spring ball. And then you can start hammering the recruiting trail April 15th, assuming your spring game's done, right? And then you go fishing for that uh, senior-to-be quarterback commit, all right? And then, voila, the portal opens in May. So you're re-recruiting your current team and out-recruiting final pieces for the fall. And then you're dragging them, hopefully, to campus by June. So they're with the team before fall camp begins. So the college football yeah. coach, while they are compensated insanely well, I mean, it is it is a race to get to the NFL right now for these guys, for a lot of them anyway, because the money's been great, but now it, it is truthfully year-round. And the good ones are not going to sleep. They're not yeah. going to be... You're saying it's unhealthy to be a college football coach, essentially. I think it's a real pain in the ass to be a college football coach right now. Yeah. Like right now. Because of the different things that have happened with the clock and recruiting rules and with with, with with, all that. With with NIL, and I'm not saying kids shouldn't get something, but with NIL, the portal, you're you're hosed. You aren't going to keep a team together. On top of the normal thing, think about Nick Saban. When's the last time he had to go fishing in three different fishing holes to finally get an offensive coordinator? How many offensive coordinators has the guy had? In the Every last? other year. Jeez. Every other year, he's losing somebody. And he's extremely div- demanding, difficult. Mark nation. Whipple's available. <laughs> you imagine. So Frost. You, you imagine. Can you imagine Whip and, and Saban together? I mean, they They'd are probably two, get along fine. Oh, they both. They both. Well, Whipple probably would defer to, to they, Saban. They'd both There's crack grandpa a... farts with each other and laugh. They'd, they'd have a good time. <laughs> it would be good. 
<laughs> They'd there, be good. There, there would be a, a golf cart for for either, but yeah. Whip's parking spot wouldn't be as good as Saban's uh, for the golf cart. You're right about the demands on college coaches right now, though. It, it's a tough gig. Like, so getting to the NFL for those coaches isn't as, of course, it's the top level, yeah. and that's great. And there's probably less security there than there is in college. Sure. Neither profession has great job security um, or neither level has great job security. But, yeah, it is a grind. And because they've changed those dates, you know, they've changed the, the – they added the early signing date, the, the, the windows that are open to visit and talk with recruits. That There is very, very little time off. Like you mentioned, it's not like we need to stand out with a picket sides like – Treat the college coaches better. Like we get it. They're paid well, but it is pretty ridiculous. It it, it does seem pretty ridiculous. It's not conducive to any kind of like <laughs> work life balance. You know, they just don't get it. They just don't that, that doesn't exist. No, I mean, you're just it's it doesn't and it doesn't exist. exist for a lot of us, let's be honest. No. But uh which they, is fine. They can, they can do some <laughs> <laughs> right. Then you don't have to think about things. Uh, they, Hope the family's not listen. listening. <laughs> know. They know it. Depends on but, the day. What's more important? <laughs> but but especially when you think about signing day, like that that is really weird to have one in mid December, and then have one like Elijah was saying. It's less than two months later. I mean, it's like, right? It's it's what fifty days later, and and why couldn't you put it this way? Why couldn't you? If you were a student athlete who's a junior in high school and you know damn well you want to go to Nebraska, why couldn't you sign? Like at, whenever at the, the time, hell you wanted. Like Bo said, you want to sign, sign. Why couldn't you? Commit, sign when you commit. That'd be yeah. cool. And then if there's a coaching change, you're you're let out of it. You're good. Sure. We'll sign and, somewhere and you else. still have that freedom of movement that allows decision-making into the hands of the, the college athlete. Now that's – also problematic for some because they 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 give up too soon or and, and listen not each situation's the same they commit but, that early anyways yeah so right now we were talking a little bit yesterday about mitch sherman's article and uh he uh he had a chance to be in contact with uh, the riolas it's pretty fascinating just the the rise of dylan uh, his story, uh, the the high level talent he's already been kind of assessed by the the college football world of just. And he's got skills. a little brother that's getting offers too, by the way. Yeah, I mean his brother's already six three, six four as well. I mean they're both really really talented. But you and I both covered Dom at Nebraska, yep. and that guy's a whole new world of intensity, and, and we appreciated oh, yeah. it. So yeah. yeah. I, I I'm excited to see a guy come from a family like that uh, play college football because of, you know, their priorities, how they've done things, how they've raised their kids. And then to see the, the natural ability where it, it works. And it's it, at this point, he makes it look easy. He's put the work in, but he makes it look easy. So no, I like, where Nebraska's at. If I had to, again, this is amateur hour for me, but if I had to lean in based on some of the quotes from the article, I think if I'm, if I'm going to put somebody in the lead based on quotes, okay, and, and go read Mitch's story, I would say probably there's still 
a high level of this guy's done it, this guy's proven it, I think USC's probably closer to that finish line just because they just recently were at USC right after Nebraska's coaches finished watching him work out last Friday. They yeah. were at USC. They're going to go back to USC. And the track record of Lincoln Riley uh, with quarterback development and Heisman winners and getting to the playoff, right, not this last year. Utah had something to say about that. But I think USC is is probably – a front runner right now, but I think Nebraska's absolutely within closing distance. It's tough to look. If it was my son and he was open to going wherever, of course I would want him to go to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Look, it's, what, what do you what do you recruit against? What do you say against Lincoln Riley and his track record? Is he going to be right. at USC in five years? Well. Okay. Back to the NFL Fine. argument. Sure. Okay. That's about it. That's about all you can say because he's. You may much get up in the middle of the game. night and leave you for something better. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and same with Rule, though, right? Rule could do well, the same no, thing. I, I, he's done that. I, I'm just saying, Lincoln Riley has checkmate on everybody when it comes to Heisman's and getting quarterbacks in the league. Like, what the hell do you say against that? You're just like, yeah, well. Well, Mayfield flamed out a little, so uh, after like, he was the number say? one pick. I know. <laughs> like, well, that's like, what do you say? Well, Jalen Hurts is only in the Super Bowl and starting. I it just Caleb Williams wins the. I mean, come on, Lincoln Riley's track record is ludicrous. Ludicrous. How would you not be attracted to that? Well, and like Lincoln his Riley's quarterback win Riley, the Heisman and go first round in the NFL. I was gonna say like 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 his big failure, quote unquote is Spencer Rattler, who is still going off to South Carolina and did very, very well for himself since leaving Oklahoma. Like You just think about the standard that Lincoln Riley has set for his quarterbacks, that you look at a guy like Spencer Rattler, who's still a very, very good quarterback, and he was a disappointment at Oklahoma because he didn't live up to this lofty Heisman standard that Lincoln Riley had set. Whenever you think about it like that, you, you realize just the pedigree of what Lincoln Riley puts out, that, that Spencer Rattler, I mean, by all accounts, a whole bunch of Power 5 programs across the country last year would have killed for a guy like Spencer Rattler to be on their team. South Carolina gets him, and you realize, oh, that's Lincoln Riley's biggest failure as a guy in Spencer Rattler who is still a great college quarterback. Like, just the pedigree of what Lincoln yeah. Riley turns out, it like it, it makes you spoiled with, with the kind of like riches he has produced for the past couple of years. That Spencer Rattler is now the guy you look at as being like the, the oh, well, he's the guy who couldn't cut it under Lincoln Riley. That, that dude's still a baller. I know. I know. Look how he finished the year. I mean, yeah, look, and that's yeah. that, to tie it back to Nebraska. That's Coach Satterfield's tutelage, and and so, Rattler's really really good. But that's you know, it's it's interesting to see Nebraska's race right now. Rattler's high school is where Riola is now going to be playing ball. Okay, and then you've got the Satterfield connection with Spencer Rattler being at, at USC. Satterfield being there and now Satterfield being heavily involved in Royola's commitment just as offensive coordinator. Yeah. And then you have Uncle Donnie that uh, is not barred from visits or contact, uh, even though that there is a dead period going on. So uh, Nebraska's got some advantages here, or at least some, some inroads that um, are a little more personable guys than – maybe what Oregon 
uh, or or USC. I mean, USC and Oregon and um, Georgia have proven it on the field. We just don't know mentality-wise uh, what's going to run the clock. Is it, let's go change a place. Let's go make it great in. Or let's go to a situation that's going to have insane talent around me. I know this. And uh, let's go win a ball game. Let's, you know, the USC's not won anything for a while. I'm not knocking them. Just saying it's not quite the same as been you go do it. In a, yeah, they recently. I mean, I think the last title game they were in, man, was it the Texas one? I, I mean, so. conference, conference title game. Oh, okay. I mean, Thank you. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's, it's apples and oranges right now. There's Nebraska yeah. that's pick what fruit you like, apple or orange. And then there's everybody else from a 10 win conference title. Right. NFL draft pick perspective. Yeah. It's, I look, look, and he would be, we talked about it last week that he would be, he would, he would be a program changing quarterback that Nebraska really hasn't landed probably since Crouch in all likelihood. Um, you could argue that Harrison Beck was of that equal sort of stature and standing. Uh, but I, this goes beyond that even. So I don't know. I could see um, I could see him going either way. But either way, even if he does go to USC, USC Lincoln Riley is going to stockpile five-star awesome quarterbacks, right? Like it's just – he's probably – I'm sure he's got one there that we don't know about that I don't know about. Caleb Williams backup. Probably pretty good, right? Like well, he's gonna, or or just another know. Caleb Williams that that takes Spencer Rattler's job even after he won it a first year. That's the other thing this week too, is seventy percent of your stud quarterbacks transfer. Mm-hmm. So you can win the you can you can lose the battle, but win the war on this thing. Maybe exactly. he doesn't go to Nebraska exactly. the first time around, but uh, maybe, maybe. And I don't. I'm not wishing him adversity on on a transfer i'm just saying seven out of ten say you know what peace out whether you exactly and a lot of them have have gotten a start a lot of them get a start in those first two years so there's a little incentive to stay right so um it's just a it's it it all comes back to what a crazy ass world college football that is the here and now i mean think about the fact that i mean it's always been this way but now it's it's ramped up to 10 or 11 the the fact that this is a 17-year-old kid who's got the eyes of the country on him and has to make this decision. We as adults are sitting here going back and forth on the decision-making process of what he has to go through. And it's like there's very much yeah. pros and cons for every single place. And like to put yourself in the shoes of yourself as a 17-year-old trying to make this life-changing decision, like not only is this done in a vacuum, like if I am making this decision be a tough decision, not to mention the fact that you've got – writers from across the country coming on to talk to you. You're the number one quarterback in the country. The fact that no matter what happens, you're going to have thousands of people on Twitter telling you you're right or you're wrong. Like the fact that it's a 17 year old kid we're putting in that. And that's, that's the way college football is. If you don't want to be that, you don't want to be a high level football player. You know, like it it comes with the territory of, of wanting to be an elite level quarterback. And you have to grow up fast if you're in those shoes, but just like the kind of, of things he has to, to go back and forth with. Well, Lincoln Riley, look at his pedigree. Well, Lincoln Riley could be gone. Lincoln Riley's going to bring in competition for me. Like, all these things he's going to have to go back and forth on over the next couple months. And then, boom, you get to the end of the road, and it's, all right, decision time. Where are you going to go play football for the next four to five years? It's just, it's so crazy to me that we have stuck 17-year-olds in that position in America. But, again, that's the way football is right now. And if you don't want that pressure, it's like 
you're getting the NIL money, you're, you're getting the, the exposure, you're getting a potential chance at the NFL, but it's still just like, man, I can't imagine being 17 years old trying to make that decision. Well, the and, and this is a kind of a paraphrase from, from the story, but I think that makes Dylan pretty high level. As, as, as Donovan said in the article, he keeps the main thing the main thing. You hear coaches talk about that, but, you know, you don't get caught up on social media. You don't get caught up in the stars. Your head doesn't get inflated thanks to his, you know, his family. Think if we were in that position, dude. <laughs> not even close to being able to handle it the right way. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, the support system around him's, you know, going to allow for a different story versus the high profile prospect that gets built up and torn down because they don't deliver. Uh, I'm not saying that it's a guarantee, obviously, but uh, there's enough checks and balances in the family where kid probably still has to clean his room and take out the trash. Yeah. <laughs> well, the five star mom. Yeah. <laughs> well, show me how the uh, the old hefty lift works. Five star. You know. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it does make me think about something we can get into in the next hour after Amir Abdullah on the on the rewind. Which great interview, by the way. Listen to that. Amir oh, is Amir is his he's own in his own class. Like yeah. he's he is a different cat, man. He's really good to listen to. Good insight on Matt Rule, but. At the quarterback position in particular, Matt Rule said some things interesting this week Mm -hmm. about positions. Like a lot of us are going into the spring, and it's normal to be like, oh, where's this guy going to stack up? Where's this guy going to stack up? And Rule was pretty adamant about, hey, I'm I'm all good with position changes. In fact, I do it a lot. And that happens some under Frost, obviously, like Cam Jurgens going from sort of a tight end and or rush end to center. That was that was very much a different thing. Uh, I mean, Matt Rule could I be seeing the, the, the pedigree of Dylan Raiola, the, the, the offensive lineman in the family, and say, hey, I know everyone sees you as a quarterback, but <laughs> yeah, that's right. my next high-level yeah. center. I see a center. <laughs> yeah. no, Deal but, breaker. <laughs> no, but, but what I think it could do, though, is, speaking about the quarterback room, which is really congested right now, especially with Jeff Sims coming in, you're having, you're, what, six scholarship quarterbacks six, right now? Yeah. Five? Yeah, so, but, but, and look at what he values, right? He values track speed. Remember Logan Smothers? Mm-hmm. Logan Smothers was like number two in Alabama in the hundred. Yeah, he's I mean, the guy a can beast fly, of an athlete, right? The guy can fly. Is he likely to beat out Casey Thompson? Is he likely to beat out Jeff Sims? Doesn't appear so, right? So, I mean, you could look potentially things like that could happen. Whether Logan wants to do it, another story. Or who knows? Maybe Logan rises to the top and wins the whole thing. But I'm just saying, he's like a ten seven, ten eight hundred meter track guy. He could get moved somewhere. And I think that's a that's a storyline for this coming Nebraska program that probably haven't gotten into enough, but it would be a pretty fun exercise to look at guys that are maybe we know athletically they have something, but you know what position could they potentially move to? And I think it'll be an easier conversation to have once we understand a little bit more about the three three five and what they value at, at those positions too, right? Well, um, but I think we're going to see a lot of movement positionally for Nebraska this year, and that could make something like Nebraska quarterback to Dylan Raiola more intriguing when he knows well, it's not big of a log jam. This is nuts, all right? But two guys, and Coach McBride's mentioned this, and it's not that he doesn't think they're good defensively. They've contributed and one started for a lot of years. But from a from an athleticism standpoint, 
because coach, you know, he, he had a lot of guys that would switch sides of the ball. Right. Sure. Yeah. And, um, you think about, uh, a polar bear, just you want to talk about switching from defense to offense. Right. Or we, we oh, talk about, locker, yeah. or we, ta- or we talk about Ty Steinkuhler, right. Yeah. Where he went, it's Ty, right? Baker. Sorry, I get Baker. St- Baker. Thank you. Baker, the five-star. I mean, he never ended up seeing a, a down left tackle, even though he was a, right. a five-star tackle. But he yeah. was a hell of an interior defensive lineman. Justin yeah. Jackson's another kid that switched, switched sides of the ball. Same with Spencer Long. He was a defensive tackle. They moved to offensive guard. Um, the, Stanley John Baptiste. Yeah, from wide corner. out to corner. I mean, yeah. there's there's really good examples. I just wonder if there's but they're isolated. There's not a lot of them. I think there's going to be a lot of them with this staff. Well, you have you have options, and he even recruited the the linemen he recruited here for 2023 are guys that can play both sides of the ball. They have. I mean, you're going to play defensive line and offensive line in high school. That's just how it goes. Well, well you look at athletically. Junior. You look at athletically. My kid's up before 8 o'clock on a Saturday. My goodness. Um, but you look at say athletically, <laughs> people, like, people like Heinrich Harburg, people like Logan Smothers, who we know athletically are gifted, mm-hmm. but might be down the way a little bit. Is there a spot? Do they maybe move? What is Nebraska going to do at fullback? They don't really have a true one on the roster. So which of those linebackers might become – you know, the next fullback or tight ends might slot over. It's just, I love that'll be Hassan an interesting Reddick. storyline to watch. His Hassan Reddick comp safety right. at Temple kind of edge blitzer guy for Philly in that hybrid role. Right. I know we said about Randy Gregory, that guy could have played at all three levels of the defense. Yeah. Athletically, he could have yep. done it. It's just how much do you want to, how much is he going to eat? Is going to decide which level he plays on. No, exactly. Quick timeout. Weekend edition continues our rewind segment with Amir Abdullah. Get his take on Coach Rule. And on the way next hour, Gary Sharp and Brandon Vogel at Hale Varsity. Weekend edition presented by Currency. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10. $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Now it's time to get back to the Hail Varsity radio show with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. All right, that's it. You two guys leave me no choice. No television for a week. What? Back into it. It's Hail Varsity radio presented by Currency, an all-time Husker. And uh, going into year nine with the NFL, a great season with Vegas. Amir Abdullah back with us at Amir Guapo on Twitter. Amir, what's going on, man? Uh, time flies from signing day to now it's it's eight years going into year nine in the league. How you been? Man, this, <laughs> I've, been, I've been wonderful for starters, man. But just hearing you say that back, it's really surreal, honestly. It's gone by so fast and I feel like I was just on campus at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln 
And uh, I can't believe I'm heading to year nine now, so it's, it's definitely a special feeling. Man, I feel you blink, and I remember talking to you on signing day. You were doing a TV interview, and then you gave us like five minutes for the radio show, bless your heart. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was awesome, and, and to see it, it shake out. So what is the here and now for you? What are you doing? Uh, playoffs, Super Bowl around the corner. How are you? How are you unwinding, or are you gearing back up? Um, typically, I take a little time to unwind. You know, the NFL season is very, very long, and it's, it's only gotten longer since we made that amendment to the CBA a couple of years ago to add a game. But uh, usually, I take a like a week or two to unwind. I just actually, I actually just got back from Hawaii, so uh, woe is me, tough life. <laughs> <laughs> just got back from Hawaii. Um, I'm actually currently in LA visiting some family. Um, have some business here as well. So uh, taking care of a little business while also trying to mix in a little pleasure mm. is just typically how my month goes if uh, the team I'm on doesn't make the playoffs, which unfortunately we did in the season. So um, on the bright side, it gives me time to, you know, visit family, people I don't get to see uh, as regularly as I w- would like to. And then uh, training starts <laughs> pretty much next week for me. So just mm. getting back on the horse, getting back to the fundamentals. I always been big on that. And uh, let's, let's get back on this ride. <laughs> Amir Abdul is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. So what did you do in Hawaii, or did you just uh, just find the beach? Well, I actually went to the Big Island. It was my first time going to the Big Island. Uh, I chose there just because it was uh, probably the, the least amount uh, of, like, building and just, like, uh, society that you can find on any of the islands of Hawaii. Um, I usually take one solo trip a year. So this was my solo trip. I uh, really wanted to visit some of the sacred valleys that they have there. Um, over my time in the, in the NFL, I've really become really uh, a lover of nature. You know, just getting out and separating myself from too much uh, stimulation, whether that's people, whether that's the Internet, whatever that may be. I try to take one trip a year just to uh, decompress and uh, I really wanted to get down to some of the sacred valleys and uh, waterfalls that they have on the Big Island. And then just the different assortment of beaches. I don't know if you guys know, but they have a green sand beach. They have a blue sand beach. They have a black sand beach. And they also have a normal, you know, colored sand beach and uh, on the Big Island. And that's because of the you know, the terrain that surrounds the water in that area. Uh, why those sand, the sand forms those different colors and it's just really interesting you know it's, it, it gives you a time to sit back and just become more present about uh, life being around nature things that are just moving at a natural course as opposed to just all these man-made schedules that we put on ourselves that can kind of be overwhelming mm-hmm. so uh, just getting, getting the time to do that definitely helps you you know, take on those man-made constructs as you get back to regular schedule point programming. Man, any time, tour guide, right? Give me the the Amir Abdullah tour. <laughs> guy. Of, of I need the... to start a blog. I actually need to start a blog. My uh, my um, I would say my history of travel is getting pretty extensive now. So I'm pretty sure I've been to a lot of places that people also want to go. So, like you said, add Amir Guapo on Twitter. <laughs> Let me know if I should start a blog, guys. Let me know. That'd be good. I, I, you know, international for me has been been Mexico, and I got to Ireland this year. That was uh, interesting. Oh, yeah. That was interesting to cover uh, with Nebraska opening up across the the mm-hmm. pond and do uh, do radio from uh, from pubs was 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 awesome. But uh, the game for Nebraska fans was was not. Let's go there, oh, Amir. We'll get into year nine in a moment. But you've got a pretty unique. 
perspective because you've had a chance to play for, for Coach Rule. Tell, I have. Tell, I have. tell Nebraska yeah. fans about him, man. Man, actually, for starters, me and my father, we were talking about, um, you know, just Nebraska in general and how special that place is to me. And I try to get back once a year. And last year was actually my first year that I didn't get to get back to Nebraska in any capacity. Uh, it was a lot of, you know, moving and traveling for me, moving from uh, Minnesota to the Panthers to, you know, signing with the Raiders that following offseason. And um, I'll definitely say this. Matt Rule definitely was the most personable coach I've ever had in the NFL. And he was the coach that I had for the shortest extent in the NFL. I only played, I think, seven or eight games with, with uh, Matt Rule joining him this season. But he was the first coach to ever invite me to his house. And it, it, was, it was such a shocker to me because, you know, I was in year eight and I had kind of compartmentalized, you know, this is work, this is mm. business. It's still football when I'm around my teammates, but when it comes to administration or coaches, kind of got to, you know, tighten up your tie a little bit and stand a little straighter. But he's a guy who actually wants you to loosen that tie a little bit. He wants you to really get to know him. He really wants to know you and your family. He still checks on me to this day and was checking on, checking up on me. Uh, before he actually even signed you know, to be the next head coach in Nebraska. And it just speaks volumes to, you know, the type of character I feel like he's going to bring. But on the same time, he's a guy who really, really understands the game of football. He understands offensive schemes wonderfully, which I think Nebraska over the last couple of years, um, I think that's where they struggled the most, uh, you know, up front a little bit and then mm-hmm. probably a little bit on the defensive line. But I could say just consistency on offense has been uh, a big telling point for Nebraska over the last couple of years. So I'm excited to see exactly what kind of offense uh, they're going to bring, you know, coming in this year and uh, what to expect. I will be at the spring game, though. So I'm looking forward to seeing the new regime under that rule. Amir Abdullah is with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. You will or won't be at the spring game. I, I missed that. Sorry. As I will. Sorry. Oh, good, good. I no, I, I, well, good, man. That'll be, that'll be good. And so were you just blown away? Because you're right. The NFL is so, dare I say, cold. It's business. And yeah. he invited you in. So what was that experience like? What did, was it just dinner? Did you guys just order a pizza? What was yeah, the, what was so, the deal? So um, what he did every Thursday of every week of the season, he would invite someone on the, um, one of the position groups to his house position groups. And I think he also extended this to the strength and conditioning staff as well after he ran out of position groups. <laughs> and um, I was able to go twice uh, because just my unique role there with the Panthers. I was kind of like a receiver, but also, you know, I'm, I'm a running back at, at heart. So I, I got to go with the receivers and um, he had a chef come in and they cooked us, you know, barbecue. Um, we were watching the Thursday night game. Um, he showed us his wine collection, um, got to meet his kids, got to meet his wife and other close people to him. And uh, he just welcomed us into his beautiful home in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, we, we just really broke bread. You know, I really felt like he had taken the cloak of, of being a coach off. And he was just one of the guys kicking, kicking it with us in the locker room. Uh, you know, he's a he's an East Coast guy, so he kind of has a certain swag to him that's uh, very confident and very laid back and very loose. And it, it really felt like I was hanging out with an uncle or something like that. It was a really, really special experience. And I was able to do it twice, you know, later, a couple of weeks later with the running back group, um, which it, it was nothing short of just like amazing, you know, to, to see a coach be able to put his guard down like that, to see a coach who um, has found success pretty much at every level that he's been at, uh, to be able to bring himself down to, 
uh, talk to rookies, you know, and talk to practice squad guys. And then you got guys like me and then guys like Christian who had, you know, been mm-hmm. in the league for a long time. And he was all talk- he was talking to us all in the same plane. And I really respect that because not saying my previous coaches wouldn't have done that, but they had it. You know, I, I had never experienced it before. So it definitely left a, a mark on me. So when um, right before he took the job at Nebraska, you know, he texted me and he was asking me a lot of questions about Nebraska. So I, I started to, you know, uh, get my insider insider uh, news going in my group chats <laughs> with everyone I have, like Will Compton, Josh Mitchell, Quincy, and that we are We are all still in the group chat, so I felt special breaking the news a little bit early, telling them, like, yo, I think Matt Rule's going to get the job, and, you know, I think it'd be good for Nebraska just because I feel like the, you know, the leadership role obviously has been, you know, the most important thing at the University of Nebraska. Who's the head man? You know, what is his energy? Is he fiery like Bo? Is he kind of laid back and quiet like Matt um, – um, uh, Coach Riley, mm-hmm. or is he kind of between, uh, uh, like you know, Coach Ross, Coach Ross most recently? And I feel like that rule is definitely going to bring a mixture of all those things that I just alluded to, uh, but but in his own creative and uh, flair. You know, he's a guy who's very confident. He's a guy who knows ball. He's a guy who um, really cares about people, and I think that's going to help kids really get comfortable and buy into Nebraska because, you know, with the new NIL stuff and all the new transfer rules, I feel like a lot of kids kind of um, have one foot in and one foot out. Mm -hmm. And I'm not here to say that wrong about that. You know, that's just a different experience than I had. That wasn't something that I had the luxury of doing, you know, to have one foot in, one foot out. Once you commit it, you kind of are there, you know. And today you don't really have that, um, uh, that, uh, I would say, that reality, you know, necessarily. And I think having a guy who can make you feel like you're at home um, as a player here at Nebraska is going to be really important just to, you know, keep your team together and um, just to be able to build. Because, you know, it's hard to build when you got guys leaving every every other day, every year. And uh, I, I think uh, it's probably the biggest challenge he has ahead of him. And I don't think it's any, any guy that at least I've played for that would be better off um, leading the team in this type of new generation of football that we see in college football right now. Amir Abdullah is with us. Couple of minutes, Hail Varsity Radio. It's great to get caught up with one of the uh, all-time greats uh, for Nebraska. You, you mentioned Rule's connection with with the players, and, and Amir, it sounds like he just is great at, at knowing what he needs to do to win, uh, but also how Nebraska can can go about doing so in the league. There's there's a yeah. there's a humbleness, but there's also like the guy can motivate, and that's the biggest thing to me is guys want to go kill it for him, and yeah, and, and that 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 could be different uh, for Nebraska in a good way. The the best thing about Matt Rule is he understands situational football, and I mean if you look at Nebraska over the last couple of years, we had some games that probably could have changed the momentum uh, of our season. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one game I think of specifically is really the game you alluded to uh, uh, in Ireland last year. You know, so we, a couple of situational calls were made at that point and kind of changed the momentum of the game. And uh, the first thing that um, I remember when I got to the Carolina Panthers playing with Matt Rule was our team meetings were extremely long, <laughs> like way longer than what you typically would get from, uh, you know, any other team that I've been on before. And then uh, I will also say the Raiders' uh, team meetings were longer. That's just because uh, Matt Rule and Josh McDaniels 
are really big on situational football, understanding what's going on in the game, what we may potentially call given the down and distance, the time on the clock, understanding the difference between the two minute before the half and the two minute before uh, at the end of the game. Uh, and just understanding the different four-point plays that you may find yourself in in the red zone defensively and offensively. And once you start to play with that that kind of awareness, you can uh, play faster. You can see things happening before they happen. And Matt Rule really takes his time to uh, educate the players on those different situations that I kind of mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really going to be big for a lot of college players because it's not just playing ball when you get – you know, to the next level and then the highest level in the NFL. It's about becoming a pro and a scientist almost in situational ball because he can't just be the quarterback who understands it. And I'm sure he's going to start there, you know, educating the, the quarterbacks that we have in our room uh, at Nebraska on the different situations to lead the team. But if you got, you know, a couple of old linemen also echoing the different situation in the, in the huddle or you got your, your safety echoing the, you know, situation in the defensive huddle, that'll take your team a long way. You know, it, it makes the game more interesting. And I think that's the level of uh, IQ that he can bring to the Nebraska squad that I, I remember talking to a lot of guys who I played in the league with who went to Bama and they had that experience with Nick Saban, mm -hmm. right? You know, he's a guy who had experience in the NFL. He's a guy who had tremendous success in the college ranks. And, you know, that, that was the difference, you know, like Bo would definitely talk a lot of situational football with the defense, but, you know, offense wasn't necessarily his forte. So, you know, we, we didn't necessarily have that, you know, on our side, but, Coach, Coach Rule having that experience defensively and offensively and really, you know, taking the time to break the game down to uh, situational segments makes the game mean more and makes you play with a different intentionality as the game progresses. And I think that that will help players play smartly. You know, like if it's before the, the half and you have the ball, you're about to go score and there's two minutes left, you don't want to get out of bounds right away. You know, you want to run that clock. You want to make sure – when you cross that 50, you get in the green zone and the red zone, that you're going to be the last one with the possession. You don't want to be running out of bounds, stopping the clock and things of that sort. And those are things that can help you in the second half where if you can steal that extra um, possession from them, then it may uh, keep uh, you in a place of um, – you know, advantage throughout the game. And those are those are more, the important details that can win that game against Northwestern or I can edge out of Wisconsin and put you in a better situation to win a Big Ten West. Amir Abdul is with us. You nailed it with the details being a different animal, uh, NFL and Big Ten for sure. Amir, we started off the conversation talking year nine. Uh, what is the horizon? Is it is it Vegas for year two? Is it somewhere else? Do you know yet? Uh, I'm not 100% sure yet. You know, I've been in uh, discussions with my agent about a few teams, actually. Um, I, I love Vegas. You know, I would love to be back in Vegas. I believe in what we have there, what we can build there. Um, obviously, last year did not necessarily work out the way we, we feel like. But uh, just speaking personally, I know the talent we have on our team is tremendous. We have a lot of guys who can, you know, be playmakers, a lot of guys who can – really just uh, be a force, you know, to reckon with offensively and defensively. And um, I know how the NFL is. You know, one year may look sour, and the next year may be the sweetest year of your life. <laughs> so uh, it'll be interesting to see how things kind of shape up in Vegas. I would love to be back there, but, you know, uh, I definitely want to continue to be in a place that gives me the opportunity to be 
uh, the playmaker that I am, which, you know, I think the Vegas uh, Raiders kind of gave me that opportunity last year. I'm looking just to build on uh, build on that more. You're versatile. You're experienced. You're a good uh, locker room guy. You catch the football, can still run it. You return it. So there's there's a ton of value. You're feeling good. I mean, do you feel like you got a lot more, many more years with in in you? Is the question. I do, I do, man. It's actually funny. Uh, I was talking to my agent the other day, and he's like, "How old are you again? 27? I was like, "Dude, I'm actually 29." He was like, "29?" I was like, "Yeah, man. I actually, I got, I got, a, I got a blood test recently, and they said biologically I'm 23 years old. Can you believe that? 23 years old, and." I'll go back to what I, how I started off the conversation earlier. Um, just resetting your spirit, man. If you keep a young spirit, you keep a young mind. I promise your body will follow suit. And I have to give credit to that. You know, obviously my diet and my training as well. I've, you know, over the last, you know, six or seven years, I've really um, focused on that and um, made sure I'm doing things that are helping me uh, build my longevity as opposed to taking, taking that away. But I believe it's the young spirit, man. I, I like to have a lot of fun. I like to do things that are kind of like kid, kid, you know, spirited. And I think that's what it is. So, honestly, I think I could play another five more years. You know, I'm going into year nine if I if I want to. You know, I can mm-hmm. play another five years. And if you know the good Lord uh, has that in my my future and this path for me, then uh, I definitely I can play as long as I as I want to. And that's always my goal. You know, stop playing whenever I'm not having fun with it anymore. And that has not hit me yet. So. I am. Uh, I'm still on this journey. Well, twenty-three uh, year old blood. I am. I am not going to get a blood test. I don't want to know how old. Uh, they, they, they say you can sell it on the black market. That's actually my next move. <laughs> well, get some blood draws. You're a, sell on the black market. Man, that's the way to do it. And and then the broadcast booth likely for you somewhere. Man, that'd be awesome. Amir Abdullah with us. Uh, find him on Twitter at Amir Guapo. And uh, much success to you, Amir. We'll uh, bump into you, hopefully, for the spring game, bud. But thanks for the time, and always great to chat with you. Uh, Thank you, Chris. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office. Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back with you, it's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, weekend edition, presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. 
Go Currency, Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, managing editor with HailVarsity.com and magazines. Brandon L. Vogel can get your subscription today to Hail Varsity Magazine and get the digital package at uh, by going and logging on HailVarsity.com backslash offer. Find Vogues on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogues, how's the weekend? Uh, good morning. Thanks for jumping on, bud. Thanks for having me. Uh, doing all right. Uh, battling some sort of cold slash bug at the moment, which really uh, has been my full time job uh, for about the past five months. It feels like so um, happy to happy to. You know, this is this is my true passion, my actual work. Uh, but you got to do what you got to do. So, how's the battle versus the war going? Uh, is is the question? Um, are you a? Uh, I'm going to have some hot tea. Uh, or hot and sour soup from a great Chinese restaurant to flush it out? Or are you a steam room guy? Uh, how do you battle it when you got the cold thing? Yeah, usually a long shower tends to be about the extent of it. I'll make some soup uh, if, things get, if things get pretty dire. Um, <laughs> and, and today I am drinking tea instead of coffee, which is, which is awful for me at least. Um, but that's, that's where we're at. You know, unfortunately my son who's 21 months old has kind of fallen in with the wrong crowd, uh, which is namely a bunch of kids his age who just passed illnesses back and forth. Uh, what are you going to do? Hopefully, hopefully, uh, he, he steers out of it. Brandon, we had, uh, on the rewind in the last hour, the conversation with Amir Abdullah that Chris had and you, you years ago, God, what year was that going to his home in Homewood, Homewood, Alabama. Uh, what year was that that you went? Was that prior to 2013? 2013, 2013, wasn't it? Going into the 2014 season, I think. Yeah, and the thing I was struck by just in the interview that that uh, Chris just had with him is just how much of a global thinker that guy is. Just how it, he's a different different cat, right? Like he is such a high level thinker. Uh, and the fact that he's been able to scratch out this long of a career in the NFL without really being a starter for almost any of it, uh, truly remarkable. Like it just maybe your reflections on, on Amir and maybe how unique of a guy he is. Yeah. Certainly one of the more unique people I've ever encountered, you know, in the time that I've been fortunate enough to, to cover college football in particular, but just sports more broadly. And he was, he was that type of, of deep thinker, I would say, then. Um, and I think, you know, getting into the NFL and what you're able to experience there, um, you know, you, you've got more time than you do as a college athlete, uh, ironically, um, to, to kind of, and well, you, you make a, a professional salary too. If you're somebody who's curious, all of a sudden, like your curiosity even gets fewer bounds. And I would say, you know, I had the, the good fortune to meet the majority of his large family on, on that reporting trip. I think just his brother, who's the closest in age to him, was it was still at Auburn and wasn't wasn't there. But really, that's just that's that whole family from, from his parents down to all of his siblings who have all, you know, achieved pretty high things and in, in their chosen fields. So it's always it's always fun to get to hear Amir's impression of things because you know it's something that if he hasn't thought about it already he can do it quickly and, and will have a thoughtful answer for whatever you might ask it Brandon, as you look back at the the past decade of husker football I know part, part of me is surprised that 
guys like Rex Burkhead and Amir Abdullah are, are still the guys that are you know carrying the flag for Nebraska in the NFL. And when you look back at, at that that one-two punch at running back, Rex Burkhead followed up immediately by Amir Abdullah. Were Nebraska fans spoiled in a way that that they didn't appreciate at the time, or should that be the standard at running back at Nebraska moving forward? Like, like I, I I struggle because in modern college football, it's it's rare to see running back stacked like that back-to-back guys that are both 10-plus year NFL-type guys. But then you look at the history of Nebraska, and that's kind of par for the course. And directly yeah. preceded, by the way, by Roy Halu. Oh, yeah. 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 And and Aaron Green in that mix, who you know ended up transferring to TCU, but was a huge recruiting win out of Texas. I, you know, If not a five-star at some places, like close to it, um, and, and kind of came in, and they had a mirror, and, and um, I'm for, forgetting – the the kid from Ohio, um, his name at the moment, but uh, Braylon Hurd and Amir Braylon Hurd, yeah, Braylon Hurd, uh, and uh, you know Amir kind of took ended up taking that job. I, I I do think it's taken for granted because well you know I, I kind of look back at the Bo Pelini era for myself personally, and I took it for granted. Like I was very much by the time we got to 2013, 2014 of like, well, this is just what it is. You know, if you ever want to get over a hump you something drastic has to change not necessarily you know remove the head coach though that is what happened um but getting those kind of players you know in in rex burkhead was a schoolboy legend in plano texas that was a big recruiting win amir abdullah was was a much different story that was you know pretty similar to i think what we're seeing with cam taylor Britt now in the nfl uh two guys from alabama uh, who was a little bit under under the radar. A lot of schools wanted to play defensive back. Uh, Nebraska basically got him by giving him a chance to play running back. So that was more of a an assessment win. But you look at you, – you go back and look at that, that roster right when Nebraska kind of entered the Big Ten. A lot of good players uh, that the Huskers had then. Vogues, Coach Rules talked about position switches, and you just hit on a key term, assessment win. Nebraska made a lot of assessment wins uh, towards the end of the Big 12 and into the Big 10. Amir being one of them, Quincy Anunua, uh, uh, Kenny Bell, and then Taylor Taylor Martinez, right? Because he was an athlete. Well, so is acid quarterback. I mean, that was some outside-the-box thinking Nebraska did, and you saw how explosive the offense was. Any parallels with – rules approach here not only are they big on senior film i mean he raved about that and that's man that's where you find some of those gems guys that are there's so many kids out there that are talented and then once they get some development man can they pop but do you think nebraska could well hit some home runs under rule uh, because of the assessment how seriously they take that and also the willingness to be patient and turn over every rock for senior Phil. Yeah, I think, I, I think they will have some of those, those uh, kind of identification, evaluation, assessment wins. Um, they certainly did so at Baylor and did so at Temple. And, it, you know, it's kind of interesting to me when you look at this from a recruiting perspective, like if you think about, you know, the 24-7 top class rankings, like the further down that list you fall, the better I think you have to be at that piece of it. Because, like, you know what, Georgia can get – a ready-made guy like okay that's a five-star edge rusher like he looks like an edge rusher right now and he's probably going to play as soon as he gets on campus for nebraska um that might be 
Well, the kid played safety, uh, but as soon as he got here, he put on 30 pounds, and now we're thinking about him as an edge rusher or, you know, maybe a linebacker, something along those lines. So uh, I think you've got to be prepared to do it that way. And I have, you know, based on what the staff has said and based on their track record, I do think they have a particular zeal for finding those players and saying, let's get them in. Like if they've got one skill we really like or, you know, we like the personality, we feel like it's a good fit, good fit. Um, we can figure out what to do with them once they start really doing this full time. Because while there are players who only play football and, you know, devote a ton of time to it in high school, like you're still not doing it to the degree, you're not focused on your craft to the degree that you're going to be at college with all the resources you have there. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, I think this is something we'll have to spend a little more time with and we'll have to see where guys get slotted in the new defense and all that. But I'm getting the sense, Brandon, that there are going to be quite a few guys that will have sort of a new lease on life and quite a few position changes. Are there any guys immediately that you've seen that at least have some ability that we know they have a certain amount of athleticism, um, but maybe because of injuries or because of, you know, position on the depth chart or just position where they're playing period that, that you think maybe have a chance to move to a certain spot. Are there any guys that jump to mind immediately for you? Yeah, maybe not specifically. Um, I, I think your best candidates are probably like Nebraska has a ton of DBs on the roster right now. Um, and you've got some DBs that was, with some pretty good size. Uh, you look at, so you're going to need a nickel in this, this three, three, five, uh, nominally defense, uh, Isaac Gifford, I think is your leader there, but, uh, you know, what's the difference between him there and dropping him down to, I guess, what would be considered an outlet outside linebacker spot here. Um, it's, it's those guys like that, that kind of are, are football players first, uh, who, who have kind of a nose for, for finding the football on defense that I think are your best candidates. Uh, looking through looking through the safeties, you, you're bringing back your two returning starters there, but you've got a good a handful of good options even behind those top two. So I think there's room for some movement there. But for me, most of it probably starts in the secondary, just because of the number of options Nebraska has there. there there's one guy that intrigues me a little bit. I'm curious if you have any insight here. But given Matt Rule's staff's uh, propensity to really look for track guys. Logan Smothers was what, like a 10 hundred guy in Alabama, something like that. It seems like he's probably going to get buried on the depth chart. We don't know that. Maybe he rises to the top, but it seems like. Is there a chance for him to move? Because he also seems like a guy that doesn't want to leave Nebraska right now. It, it, that's that's a really good example. Um, and, you know, I it, that talk has kind of been out there with, with Smothers for a while, um, just because he has been behind, you know, I think at least two guys most of the time, barring an injury. Uh, but uh, I, I think for the reasons you said, uh, their interest in his athleticism, because uh, I, I think he was also a, a pretty elite hurdler, um, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, as, as a high school track athlete. So you've got that athleticism there. Uh, you, you brought in another transfer quarterback, you know, and that'll change, I think, once we get through spring. Uh, but if, if Smothers is committed to to staying at Nebraska, 
in, in if Nebraska wants a kind of more conventional slot guy, you know, they brought in Kemp from Virginia to kind of check that box a little bit. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some others get a look that way or, or maybe even somewhere else. Brandon Vogel's with us. It's the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, let's switch gears here and talk some Senior Bowl. Uh, we got a, a couple Huskers in action this week. Uh, when you look at uh, O'Shawn Mathis playing in the uh, the Shrine Bowl this week as well. But Trey Palmer made himself some money down in Mobile this week with uh, the Senior Bowl. Did really well in his one-on-ones, did pretty well in team period. And uh, the Senior Bowl is going to be coming up a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, what do you make of his performance this week? And, and I mean, really looks like he made himself some money. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and I guess not not all that surprised based on uh, what we saw from him during his one year at Nebraska. Um, that was kind of more the surprise moment for me. I mean, you know, he was uh, uh, a well-regarded player coming to, to Lincoln from Baton Rouge, but I didn't foresee the level of production that he had and not even just the production piece of it. Um, but like he just he looked like one of the best players on the field in, in most of Nebraska's games. I mean. And that sheer speed, um, it's it still shocks you. So I think he, you know, we'll see what happens in the game. And in a lot of ways with a game like this, what you do all week leading up to it and workouts that are televised on the NFL network probably matters as much and, and your measurables. But he's, um, yeah, it's it's a guy who it, it worked out for him. Went to LSU, the school he wanted to, you know, got got some experience there made the move to Nebraska and and that really kind of highlighted his ability for maybe the first time uh, that you truly got to see it on full display. So I'll be excited to watch him a little bit later today. Yeah. The game's at one 30 on the NFL network for those wondering, and he is on the national team, not the American team. I have no idea what color that means, but he's on the, that's the worst about those games, right? Like, you're just you're just looking around like, wait, is he on the blue team or the red team? And like, oh god, they all have fifty stickers on their helmets, and you can't find them. And yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Vogues, what sticker would you have drafted? Uh, I know our old boy Searles had an upside down Longhorn, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he had the upside down Longhorn, uh, the front of his helmet, and you know the one of the red ends. But all right. You're wearing the big uh, red N on one side. Where are you going first to decorate your senior bowl helmet? Yeah, it's tough to be. It's tough to be uh, Sur- the Searles move there. I remember seeing that <laughs> at the time and being incredibly amused. Um, for me, I, and I assume somebody from Tulane is in this game, but the first person I'm going to to trade with it would be like, "Hey, would you like this very plain?" sans serif n in exchange for your awesome angry wave uh decal does that does that seem like a fair trade for you or do i need to throw in some cash here um that would be the first one that i probably get um i've always been uh uh enamored with i guess the the app state which is very like hand-drawn logo in fact jerry moore one time nebraska assistant way back in the day under tom osborne who kind of built that program and at FCS power, I think actually did that logo himself. So I'd go looking for one of those. Um, man, I could probably spend about 20 minutes if I really sat down and thought about it, but there's two to start. You know, I'm probably going with the, um, I think the USC Trojans pretty cool. I like uh, the Spartan insignia is pretty awesome. And you just never, really trade the, the Michigan wings. You can't picture them on an, any different helmet, 
I mean, Delaware does, but that's about it. Um, Princeton. Yeah. Yeah. Good work. I think Ron Colley in Omaha does too. Okay. I could be but, wrong there. You know, but you, you are to me, it's always, it's the Navy and the, in uh, the, uh, yep. the yellow. So all good. I had to just go fashion there for a moment, folks. Uh, position group that you think will see maybe the most attrition. I know Brady Altman's did a nice job post-signing day with scholarship breakdown. And there's uh, there's still just 15 bodies in the O-line room. You've got 12 defensive line scholarship guys, 19 defensive backs, four edge, four nickel. And we're talking about uh, switching up a little bit with maybe some guys add weight, change positions, uh, nickel to edge or DB to nickel uh, or, or some sort of hybrid spot with a little more weight. But what room do you see? Do you think you see the most uh, subtraction from six at the quarterback room as well? Yeah, I would probably probably play the numbers here and say, you know, you mentioned it. I, we're looking at nearly 25 guys without even including the lock-ons that are technically defensive backs. Like, Jeez. you got more DBs on the roster than you do offensive linemen. Uh, and that, wow. even while you're getting, you know, you're getting five DBs on the field, same as you are on the offensive line. So I would expect there to be some some sorting there. Um, there's just a, a lot of players, a lot of promising players in my mind, but at the end of the day, there's only so many snaps. Uh, based on, I guess, percentage, I might go to the quarterback room next. Um, just we know it's, we know it's uh, a position where you see a lot of movement in, in the transfer portal era, and Nebraska will go through the spring. Uh, and we'll, we'll see what happens there. I, I mean, I guess I would be surprised if they didn't lose one quarterback uh, at the end of the spring, but it wouldn't be a surprise uh, at all if, if it too ended up, you know, saying, I got I to gotta try and find a spot to get on the field quicker. Hey, Brandon, quickly switch over to baseball as Nebraska is uh, – I got their fan day coming up next weekend. And uh, it's going to kick off their season out in California pretty soon here. Names their five captains. You got Kyle Perry and uh, Shea Shanneman from the from the pitching staff. Griffin Everett, the catcher. Bryce Matthews, the kind of utility infielder that's played almost every spot. Uh, movement uh in that sport period but your your assessment so far of what will bolt is taking into this year now that we're getting a little bit further away from the pandemic and things are starting to normalize a little bit yeah it'll, it'll feel i think a little similar to me to what spring football might feel like uh when you look at kind of the amount of, of roster turnover nebraska had coming off of, of last season um lost some some pretty good players and did what they could to replace replace them with some some pretty good players, and not solely from the JUCO ranks. You know, you've got a couple of, uh, you know, Power Five, uh, for lack of a better term, that's what we would use in football transfers coming in. Um, got sort of an interesting schedule open in California, of course, but uh, I think it's in Houston, uh, if I remember correctly. You got one of going to get a face in Ole Miss, um, and last year's you know was a strange one. Nebraska came in Big Ten favorites. Didn't come anywhere close to that. 
Um, in some ways, I think that almost lends itself better to the type of baseball Will Bolt tries to, to play and to teach, um, which is, you know, pretty gritty and, and do the small things. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited for them to get started because you, you can't really know how those pieces of it are going to come together until they actually get out there on the diamond. Brandon Vogel's with us well, here. It's a, a Saturday morning edition of Hail Varsity Radio. And Schmidt, I got to sneak this in before we get Brandon out this hour. And it, it's a it's a bit personal on my end. But Schmidt and I have talked a couple times this week. I'm going to be uh, trying some ribs this afternoon, trying to lock in my Super Bowl recipe, get that ready to go. And I got to talk to the, the man himself, Brandon Vogel, and get your your rib tips. Do you have any tips for me before I get going on that this afternoon? Um, well, I, I think the key thing is, and don't overcook them, um, like <laughs> – once a lot of people like it, you know, I mean, the commercials say fall off the bone. A lot of people are like, Oh, that's a good rib. Uh, to me, that's, that's a little bit mushy a little bit. So keep a close eye. Like once you know, you're getting close to it. Are you doing spare ribs or baby back ribs? Uh, I believe spare ribs. That's what I'm going to okay. do. Yeah. Those are, those are, those are big guys. Uh, they'll, they'll take a little while, uh, but they're, they're a little bit more forgiving for that. But other than that, you know, come up with a rub that you like. You probably have the spices you can you want to make a decent one, or just use a store bought one. Um, throw some mustard on it. Get the uh, get it there and, and let it go. Uh, you can you can do a Reddit search or Google or whatever. Uh, the big debate with ribs is whether to put them in foil or not after a certain stage. So don't have enough time for that. But I'll let you. I'll, I'll say take take a look at that. It's it's kind of a key. Would, would you would you foil them personally? I don't, um, uh, but I think it probably produces a slightly better result more consistently, but I try to keep it simple. I like just fire, fire and meat. That's sweet. Fire and meat. Here's our title. I want to, you're right. Right. I want to get shirts printed that just say that. Fire and, and meat. People are like, what is that? Be like, Speaks for itself, bro. Uh, being a carnivore and a, and a pyromaniac. I love it. That's, um, that's no, foils, okay to have them on or wrapped around a little. A little that's boat to hold it. the juices. L- little bo- a little boat. Uh, and, and, and you smoke them for, you know, five and a half, six hours. Let them crisp in the oven. But Vogue's right. Like the fall off the bone's nice and some folks love it. But you need a little stickiness mm-hmm. to them. They need a little grab. A little bite. A little bite. Um, yeah. No, I like it. How many how many crowns should one have uh, from start to finish in the smoking process if it's six hours? What's the the Vogel recommended amount? Crowns, whiskeys, or beers? <laughs> um, maybe for maybe for the practice round, Elijah. Keep it <laughs> keep it to, Jack. to three. <laughs> Uh, you know, if it goes well and then it's Super Bowl Sunday, you know, people are coming over. Let's have some fun. You can, you have to have permission to bump that. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Three heavy pours though. Heavy pours. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Vogues, we'll get your wiki re- whiskey recommendation next weekend uh, as we head to the Super Bowl. Thanks for your time this morning, bud. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. There he is, Brandon Vogel with us, uh, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Get your subscription, HaleVarsity.com backslash offer to uh, get the magazine and the digital. Do that. Uh, Get Vogue's book, Valentine's Days Around the Corner, Dream Like a Champion, Brandon Vogel. 
and John Cook. We'll check in with the Iron Horse. Gary Sharp up next to Tail Varsity Weekend presented by Currency. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hail Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Uh, sound advice by uh, Wolf of Wall Street's Matthew McConaughey. Welcome back to it. Weekend edition. Hail Varsity Radio presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. The Iron Horse with us, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, you are on the stream with us for a third week in a row. This is a treat into the world of Gary Sharp. (laughs) And behind you are those media passes, awards, uh, uh, medals. What are they, man? And we get to we get to look at the, uh, the the sharpie deck. No, these right here are media passes. Okay, yeah. so I'm in the home thousand. office today. Okay, the great I, the great thing about those, you can put those on and just kind of go anywhere, right? Oh like, yeah, yeah. You can just like repurpose one from three years ago, just hold it up, walk right through. You're good. I'm media. It's fine. Should we try rolling the dice next fall? with a 2007 media pass that's in my bag and see if we still can get food. <laughs> get right into the Super Bowl. Easy. Yeah. I think we'd be okay. I think we everybody knows us, so we just slide right by. Well, no, see, that's the thing. That's the thing. So whenever I was working with uh, with Not Husker in Vision, Ireland. <laughs> when I was with Husker Vision back in school, uh, they always gave us these little sandwiches on game day. They were not good at all. No, no offense to the, the university catering department. It just was like we were not their top priority on game day. So I'd always go up to the media line, and it's all about who you know. They, they just let you slide yeah. in. If you know the people checking the passes, if you don't have a food pass, they'll still let you slide in there. That was that was my highlight of game day every single week. So it's all about Dude, who you, you just know. Threw- you just threw one of the vests on, didn't you? And you just walked on by. Didn't even need to throw a vest on, dude. I just walked and hopped in the line. Hey, that's the whole thing. Like, you just have to act like you belong there. Like, for yeah. people that tomorrow want to move from the 200 to the 100 section of PBA, just act like you belong there. Just walk right by, slide into a seat, and cross your fingers that nobody else has that seat, and you can sit there the whole time. Those Gucci seats that are front row. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna try that, see how long it lasts before I get uh, El Presidente at the Super Bowl party. Uh, Sharpie, a uh, busy week with uh, recruiting, and uh, Coach Rule uh, had another media session, and not a ton spent on, on, on his classroom. It, it was touched on, but more so kind of a continued look inside his philosophy, and we've highlighted um, just a number of, different things from senior film to development to recruiting area to just kind of his his method moving forward here and you know the the buzz continues to grow a little bit but there's also years of hurt 
with with buy-in right now but um right now what you know let's let's get the temperature from from your perspective here on just fan base are you are you feeling and hearing more let's wait till they play the game or are you are you also hearing more of the uh yeah man this this guy totally gets it and he's saying all the right things well i think one thing is it's nice to hear him in those situate in those settings because I think he's very comfortable and he likes to talk football. I think all of us, you know, in, 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 a, in a place where we cover and people follow, people love to talk football. And that staff likes to talk football. Now, the easiest part of their job is over. The first couple of months now becomes the hard part. And then eventually the hardest part is how it all relates to being on the field. But you can tell that he's very organized, um, that he's got a plan, and that for things that maybe – I mean, guys, in the first two months, what's the biggest thing that you had a – uh, like, oh, I don't know about that, Matt Rule. Well, if you did, whether it be a young wide receiver coach who will turn 24 this month or the retaining of Donovan Raiola, he has a why for it. And I think that's important. He's very transparent. He's very genuine. Um, I think he likes talking ball. But you can see that he has a plan. It's not just let's just accumulate a lot of talent and let's then just see what happens. They've got a plan. And I think that's encouraging considering some of the missteps for a while around here is everybody's been able to bring talent in. It's what you've done with that talent and how you've built that talent. And we've seen they've got a plan and they're very confident in it, by the way, whether it be off the field in the football juggernaut that they're building off the field in terms of a staff or what they're trying to do on the field. I mean, I I think it was probably in my estimation, they exceeded a little bit expectations in recruiting. And I can say, well, I don't know what my expectations were, but I didn't think they would be as aggressive and as successful as they were, especially in the portal early on. But, you know, the easiest part is done. Now becomes the uh, hard part. But the first two months, very little that I have to disagree with. You know, he mentioned position changes, and it's something we've talked about a little bit this morning. And I, I expect that we'll see quite a bit of that, like maybe more so than – there's been isolated incidents in the past. Stanley Jean-Baptiste goes from receiver to corner – um, you know, Amir comes in as maybe a defensive back, running back. They stick him at running back. Justin Jackson switches mm-hmm. sides of the ball. Spencer Long. There's, so there's been a handful of those guys over the years. Um, but I expect quite a bit this year, just given the roster size and how much uh, Matt Rule values speed and not wanting to have speed on the bench. A couple guys come to mind there, and I'm curious what you think here, Gary. Um They've both battled injuries a little bit, but they both have pretty good breakaway speed. Guy that people hardly – so there's Logan Smothers is one. But Chris Hickman, you saw him in high school. I mean, that dude can pull away. Or do you think injuries have caught up with him so much that he's not been able to develop his body to where maybe he might be left out? I, I just think there's a place for guys with speed, and that's a dude that at least used to really have it. Yeah. Well, I think I know where you're going about – Logan Smothers, possibly wide receiver. Um, I think Logan Smothers is a lifer at Nebraska. I think he likes being here. Um, I think it's important, though, that number three quarterback spot might turn out to be okay if you're able to get there. Well, with Chris Hickman, he's a wild card because he has battled injuries, tied into wide receiver, back to tight end. I'm not sure where he's at when it comes to playing football. Um, But he's somebody who has got an athletic build that's got enough speed that I think you can find a place. I will tell you, and and Mark, and I like the point you made, because they will get the best players on the field, and they're not – 
they're not uh, against moving them to positions that maybe they've never really played. For example, do you guys know that Georgia wanted Malachi Coleman as a cornerback? I had heard, I had heard yeah. secondary. So, so you remember, Nebraska looked at him as a wide receiver. I would love for him to be an outside linebacker, but I know that's not where we're going because I think you could put weight on him and his athletic ability. I'd love to see him on that side of the ball. But Georgia saw him as a cornerback. So I think Nebraska is thinking in the same way, not with Malachi, because he's going to be a wide receiver, but with other players of, okay, their ability, their length, what we have to do in the Big Ten, could we swap them out and, and at least look at them to see if they're comfortable there? But that's an important thing here is these guys will put the best 22 to 44 on the field, regardless of what position they play. I think they will play to player strengths. And maybe it's not, hey, you're a quarterback. You're better at a wide receiver. Look at Malik Hornsby when they were recruiting him. Everybody said quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Nebraska said, you know what? Wide receiver is probably the place for us, for you, that could be the best for you in the future. So uh, I'll be curious in spring. I, I think spring, as we all know, is going to be the most fascinating thing. I can't wait for the first day they put pads on. And then can you imagine what that first scrimmage is going to be like with guys that are trying to get ahead? I mean, it's going to be a Mark Banker bloodbath. Do, do we know, by the way, is – you know, uh, under Frost, it was, you, you know, locked practice down. Nobody could watch ever. You just had to take their word for it. A- have we heard anything about whether Rule is going to open up practices to media or anything like that? Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. I, I think it's going to be pretty tight-lipped. They start March 20th, so they're not doing the staggered spring where they start and then spring break and then they restart. They're starting on March 20th, which is the first day back from spring break, and then they go from March 20th all the way to the spring game. But my sense and a couple of people I've asked don't expect a lot of eyeballs on spring practice if you are a media okay. member. Well, okay. as, with what you know about college football, that seems to be the norm nowadays, right? The close practice. Yeah. So I yeah, mean, I, I think in this case, I think they want to. Fo- they have so much going on, and they have so much teaching that has to go on. They want to lessen the distraction, and also, guys, I think they want to keep it kind of tight-lipped about what's going on and what they're going to look like and maybe who's playing where, you know, just kind of play a little cloak and dagger. But I think it's more of they got a lot of work to do in the spring and they just want to keep it focused on the team. Now there might be a practice or two that is open and maybe, maybe they give us the little, you know, open scrimmage, but I think it'll be for the most part, it'll be behind closed doors. Well, Gary, that's where I was kind of going to go with the next question is, is say Gary Sharp gets a, a one-day all-access pass. You're the only one who gets to go watch practice for all of spring He's got ball. 50 of them behind him right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, Remember, act like you belong, Sharpie. <laughs> Gary, if you're down at practice, say you just get the, the two hours down there that they're, they're running practice for, what, what are the most interesting things in your eyes that you'd want to go check out at practice? I want to see what they do with defensive guys, who they move to that rover spot, how that defense looks. Because keep in mind, Tony White has to teach the coaches the defense first, and then the coaches have to teach the players the defense. So my eyes are going to go to defense, which, you know, if, if, it, if it pans out on the second and third level, Nebraska could be okay back there. But I think defense is where I would go. You know, of course, quarterback, you want to see Jeff Sims, but there's no Casey Thompson. That would probably be another area because that fight for the third and fourth quarterback position will be kind of interesting. But I definitely want to see what happens on defense on how all this looks together and who gets that kind of that role of playing that rover linebacker in the three three five. 
Gary Sharp with us this morning, weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. And it's pretty interesting as we look at talent and evaluation. We, we spent a little time on this with Vogel, but Gary, you were uh, a part of uh, a great era in Nebraska football with your coverage and career. And you saw Nebraska staff shift to that, that 4-3. And where I'm going with it is uh, they changed guys, they moved guys position-wise, but they also made a killing uh, with evaluation. And I want you to speak a little bit to Rule and his ability and his staff's ability to evaluate uh, with some senior film because that's that's so key. I mean, that that is a difference maker for your football program if you can get some senior film guys that are that are good football guys that are just under the radar that can really pop for your program. Well, I think that's important that they're going to look at senior film for in-state players because how many times do we see in Nebraska – guys that don't have the opportunity to camp around the country or having a heavy on seven on seven and maybe get overlooked, but are on the fringe and then really have a good senior year, but Nebraska's class is full. And so they've already moved on. Well, I think that benefits some in-state guys that have really good senior years that the Nebraska staff's going to go, Hmm. Okay. Going back to your question, Schmitty, and what Mark said, you know, you look at when Nebraska made the move to the four, three, like a guy like Ed Stewart, Ed Stewart was a cornerback. They moved him up to linebacker, and he prospered. So they took speed, and they put it in the right position. And I think you'll see that with this staff when they evaluate guys on the field and go, you know what, maybe you're not so good here, but, man, you fit the profile here. I think a key, and this is with anybody in recruiting, and I don't care what sport, but I'm noticing this with when I hear Evan Cooper talk, and even more so with Matt Rule when he he gives you an inkling into the recruiting – To be really good in recruiting, you not only have to be a relationship builder, but, boy, you have to be able to project. You have to be solid in your projection and look at a player and not gauge him as a 17-year-old raw athletic individual and say, yeah, I don't think – I think they get beat up in the Big Ten. You have to look at them and go, okay, they're 17 now. I see what they're doing. What will they look like when they're 19 and they've been through two years of strength and conditioning? What will that do for him? And I think this staff has a nice little knack of projecting. Because you look at some of the under-the-radar guys or guys that other programs overlook, they projected an Eric Fields to say, man, this is the defense we run. And Eric Fields, who can run, this is what he can play. So that's encouraging moving forward. I also think, guys, don't you think it's in place now with a whole year of recruiting and the way they're recruiting that this class probably should exceed the 24 class should exceed the 23 class in terms of a year of relationship building. But also to, one thing to watch is how many of those quote unquote under the radar guys will continue to be in Nebraska's class. Are we looking at double figures or are we looking at five to six? Because if they put some success together and the way they recruit, they should be able to get into the door of those higher ranked prospects. I think there'll be a mixture of both there, but don't you guys think that 24 now the, the expectations are set that it should be better than what they put together in 23, which was a pretty good class. Really good class considering the timeline. That's the amazing part uh, with the work they did. But, yeah, I mean, they could absolutely find some, some for lack of a better term, higher rated into the conversation with them. I mean, you, you see it now how heavy and – 
diligent they've been going after Raiola, just case in point. Uh, I'm not saying they're going five-star hunting all the time, but if, if they see a guy that's a fit, even even within the 500-mile radius as things wound down, I mean, you saw what Rule did last weekend. He was out in Kansas City area. He was in Missouri. He was in at, at some really high-level guys. I mean, we're talking top three or top five offensive tackles for 20. 2023, I think, was where he was going with that. <laughs> Look at that finish. <laughs> Look at that finish. Good job. Way to f- complete the sentence there, Elijah. Uh, Gary, you just got a couple minutes before we got to get out. married and... couple of radio. <laughs> I know. I'm taking that as a compliment. So I, I'm not sure if that's a compliment, but I'm taking that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> They're so cute. They're so cute. Uh, Husker baseball is a week away. And after the first practice, pretty interesting that Will Bolts trotted out Caleb Clark as one of the guys that was going to talk the freshman out of Ontario left-handed pitcher I look this this staff values senior leadership veteran leadership experienced guys they trot him out out of all the players they could have trotted out but do you think that was just sort of random or are they sending a little message there that this is a guy Caleb Clark that this lefty that that is going to figure into their plans pretty prominently this year no, that's a good catch, Mark. I, I think, you know, Will, who I will say by the middle of March last year, Will hated his team. <laughs> he just did not like his team. The chemistry was not good. The, the yeah. blending of the new guys and some returnees and trying to deal with success from the previous year didn't go very well. And so I think he was like, this is going to be a rough, rough go. And we saw it was. No, I, I think putting him out there to talk to the media is a sign of not only – this is a team that will accept everybody, whether it be a senior, and they have some key older guys on this roster or a freshman. But I also think he's going to factor heavily into what they're doing on weekends. Um, you know, it's that time of the year where we all get our expectations up because we're looking forward to warmer weather. Um, this is kind of – Will got his get-out-of-jail-so-to-speak card last year. He got his free pass. This will be a year where a lot of people will pay close attention to Nebraska. But, you know, there's also not a lot of expectations. I mean, Nebraska's probably fourth or fifth preseason in the Big Ten. Uh-huh. You know, Maryland is ahead of them. Maryland's uh-huh. going to be nationally ranked. So maybe Nebraska can kind of, you know what, take a deep breath, step back, get back to doing what helped them a couple of years ago, and that is being good on the weekends on the mound and being able to pick it in the field. Um, I'm very curious to watch this team, but that's having a freshman talk to the media on day one of media availability. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't overlook that. That's a good catch, Mark. No. Sharpie uh, flaked back. out there with my uh, my Wi-Fi, but we'll uh, run you down next week. Thanks for checking yep. in with us this morning, man. Wow, guy comes back and he kicks me off right away. Apologies, but I'm sure it was one hell of an answer. Where I was going is uh, who knows, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks, guys. Yeah, take care, Gary. Appreciate you. Good stuff. Uh, Cranack, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for jumping in this morning, Elijah. Let us know how those ribs are. Tweet out the picture. Be that guy. If it's good. If they, if they turn out well, you'll get the picture. If there's no picture on Twitter tonight, you'll know that I need some work for next week, okay? All right. We'll be back yeah. at you Monday at 4 with Hale Varsity presented by Currency. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.